Eileen, thank you. Good morning to you all. It's a pleasure to be here. Um, we've been associated with this church longer than 40 years. And when I tell you this uh, fact, you'll wonder how old is this guy anyways. I think the first time I set first set foot in this church was when it was in 1957. Now, some of you are looking at me with kind of a glazed look over your eyes saying, "Really? I mean, 1957, that's ancient history." Well, I was 3 years old when my parents were called to Japan and were sent out and New Village Church, which was the New Village Congregational Church at that time, was a key supporting church of my parents. Many, many dear friends were here that were very dear to my parents' heart. And every time we came back here, there was such a warm reception that you were not, you were not our sending church, you were a supporting church, but we felt in many respects the relational part of our partnership over the years has been such a profound thing that for all intents and purposes, we consider you one of the cornerstone churches in terms of support for us over the years. Uh, just a couple of verses before we get into our passage this morning from Philippians chapter 1. Paul writes here to the believers in Philippi saying, I thank my God every time I remember you and all my prayers for all of you. I always pray for you with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. This is the heart of a church planter. Paul was a church planter in the first century, and his words of thanks to the church in Philippi resonate in our hearts as we come back here and we reconnect with our supporting churches in your partnership with us. Team, as is our mission agency, believes strongly in the sending triangle God is the source, the sending church is on the bottom right, and the sent missionary is on the bottom left of that triangle. It's a partnership, it's a, it's a relational partnership in seeing the gospel shared across uh, the, the countries of the world. And so we just counted a privilege to be missionaries, Jim and Eileen Nielsen, supported by you now for going on 35 years. Gary Finn was still the pastor of New Village Church when we were sent out, and there's been a lot of history since that time. The story is not finished. This church is moving in transition, and we know that you're praying for a new pastor. We'll be praying with you as to see the Lord's will unfold in that regard. So before we get into the message this morning, let me just put, um, just pray and Pray for the Lord's blessing on the opening up of his word this morning. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the privilege that we have to be called your people and to gather together to worship you, to give you our hearts praise and honor for who you are and how this, as a house of worship here, has been here for so many years, over 200 years uh, counting. Lord, we thank you for the ministry that has gone out through New Village Church over all of these years. We just do pray for this church as they're looking for a, a new pastor, that in your time and in your way the right person would be found to see this church move forward in the ministry here to this area of, of Long Island. And to that end, we 
just put this request into your hands with thanks. We just pray as we open up your word this morning that you would touch our hearts and just remind us through your word this morning of the significant call that you have on each one of us as your disciples. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I'd like to look with you this morning at a very familiar missions passage, but coming at it from a little different perspective. I just realized I have to turn on my clicker here. Got some good instructions, and are we good to go? Yes. This passage is a very familiar passage in Matthew chapter 28. And I'll read this passage once. Um, Again, it's very familiar to you all. But let me read this just to remind us of this. The title that I put on the passage this morning is His Last Command, Our First Concern. And this is drawn from this famous and very a familiar passage in John, or Matthew chapter 28, verses 16 and following. It says, Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. This is what these verses look like in Japanese. And just reading verses 18, uh, verse 18 through 20 in Japanese, this is what it sounds like in Japanese. Yesu wa chikazuite kite karera ni ko iwareta. That's what the Great Commission sounds like in Japanese. Those are familiar words to us as missionaries serving in Japan, very unfamiliar words to you. But this is a verse of, these are verses of scripture that not only apply to the missionary call, but to every single believer in Jesus Christ. As we look at this passage this morning, I'd like to look at three different aspects to this. First, the the journey part of the disciple. Secondly, the calling of the disciple. I noticed that the calling kind of slipped off to the side over. I didn't have a chance to correct that this morning. And thirdly, the key to the Great Commission, or the call on every disciple's life. These are the three lenses through which I'd like to look at this passage with us this morning. And as we open up this passage, I would just like to touch on something um, concerning Team Japan. This is our team as our sending agency, uh, the Evangelical Alliance Mission. Our T-E-A-M stands for the Evangelical Alliance Mission. But as we are 130 years old next year, in 2020, 
I was told that New Village Church is way older than that, so we're still the youngster on the block, I guess, compared to New Village Church. But thinking of an older sending agency and your history, your past, all the wonderful things that the Lord's done in the past, we as a leadership team realized that we needed to revisit who we are, what our identity was, and we, we decided to do it through our acronym in Team Japan, Together in Purpose is at the top, and then you go to the bottom through mutual care, accountability, and empowerment. That's the M-E-A-E going from the bottom up. When we were doing disaster relief after the 2011 earthquake and tsunami for two years up in the northeast of Japan, one of our professors at Philadelphia Biblical University was coming over the next spring or the next summer to be our annual conference speaker. And I was exploring with him this idea of redefining our mission agency from a more of redefining the ethos of our mission, what makes our heart beat, what are our values? Because the Evangelical Alliance mission, yeah, that's great, and that's rooted in the past, but how can we move forward by really revisiting our calling as, church, as a church planning mission to Japan? And here I'm huddled around my 13-inch laptop, freezing in the middle of winter up in the northeast of Japan, and I was explaining this acronym to him, and he said, you mean you're turning Team Japan upside down, basically. The ethos of the mission, together in purpose through mutual care, caring well for one another, in, um, accountability, being accountable in a healthy way to one another, and empowerment to be seeing us all maximized in our mission calling to see the gospel share, uh, shed throughout Japan. And I said, in, in very, um, um, very specific terms, yes, we're looking to turn our mission upside down. We're going to talk about one aspect of this acronym, and it's the empowerment part of the call to missions. But it's much deeper than that, and it reaches into each one of our lives. And this is a quote from Oswald Chambers that I found that really kind of articulates what's, what, what's really embedded in the Great Commission that applies to each one of us here this morning, just, not just to those who are called to cross-cultural ministry. Oswald Chambers said, the key to, mission, the, to missionaries' work is the authority of Jesus Christ, not the needs of the lost. That sounds a little bit controversial right up front, but he goes on to say, we are inclined to look on our Lord as the one who assists, assists us in our endeavors for God. Yet the Lord places himself as the absolute sovereign and Lord over his disciples. He does not say that the lost will never be saved if we don't go. He simply says, go therefore, make disciples of the nations. He says, go on the basis of the revealed truth of my sovereignty, teaching, and preaching out of your living experience of me. The quote that I'm going to give at the end of this message this morning is going to really nail this concept, this idea of the relational part, 
our relationship with Jesus Christ as disciples called to follow him is really the key to everything, and it applies to each and every one of you in the room this morning. This is not just the Great Commission that applies to missionaries and their call to the foreign mission field. There are two themes that we're going to explore this morning, and one is discipleship, and the other is empowerment. Discipleship is to teach the way of being a follower, and empowerment is the power that's given to the disciple in order to follow the Lord faithfully. These three words that were brought up that we were, we were going to look at this morning, the first one is tabi or journey in English. And this is where we go with our passage this morning into the first couple of verses, verses 16 and 17, that really are what frame the Great Commission on the front side where it says here, then the 11 disciples went to Galilee to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. It's interesting how the Bible includes all the relevant information and even taught, puts in, into the passage those things that if this wasn't the God, word of God, wouldn't they have been left out? There were some that doubted after seeing all the evidence of the risen Christ, and here he had called them to this mountain, and what does it say here? They saw him, they worshiped him, but some amongst them doubted. We see the hallmarks of every believer through every generation since that particular moment in time, and it's seen in two ways. Hallmark number one is the, the believer is a disciple of Jesus. A disciple is a follower, learner, primarily committed to obedience, following Jesus obediently. We see the 11 following Jesus in obedience to the place that he told them to go. Now we see there are doubters amongst them, but our focus is not on them. We see the focus is on the obedient side of disciples following him. We do recognize here that there are only 11 disciples that followed Jesus to this point. It's an intriguing study to see how the 12 were called, but only 11 now are present here in this particular time and place. And this is all according to the, the mysterious unfolding of God's will that even jo Judas played into. Here Oswald Chambers said, the best measure of a spiritual life is not its ecstasies, but its obedience we see the 11 disciples obediently following Jesus to the place that he had called them to on that particular mountain. So the hallmark number one of, of every believer for every generation is that they are a disciple of Jesus, which means a follower of Jesus Christ. But secondly, in this um, opening couple of verses here, we see the second other hallmark of a believer, and that is that a believer is a worshiper of God. What is worship? Actually, worship is an active verb, and as such, it is not passive. It has action. It has a response that's embedded in it. What worship is not is simple church attendance, or being on the rolls of a church, saying, I'm part of this community in name. 
That is not what worship looks like. Actually, worship, as it's defined by God's word, is coming before God in humility in response to the amazing grace that he has shown to each one of us and is characterized by Romans chapter, one, chapter 12, verse 1, that says, coming to him as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God, which is your spiritual act of worship. Worship is a profound relationship with God, and embedded in that is a response to the amazing grace that he has shown to each one of us through Jesus Christ and his work on the cross. Our call to Japan is, as church planters, to share the gospel and then to see people gathered into community, preaching the gospel message, seeing people come to faith, and then leading them in discipleship, growing in their relationship with Jesus and following him. Another quote here from Lee Camp that gives further definition to this thought is Jesus of Nazareth always comes asking disciples to follow him, not merely accept him, not merely believe in him, not merely worship him, but to follow him. One either follows Christ or one does not. There is no compartmentalization of faith, no realm, no sphere, no business, no politic in which the lordship of Jesus, of Christ, will be excluded. We either make him Lord of lords, Lord of, Lord of all lords, or we deny him as Lord of any. The primary call of the disciple is to follow Jesus. Embedded in that is our love for him, our faith in him, our worship of him, and everything else, but a disciple is primarily a follower. And in the Japanese culture that we serve, this is a very familiar idea, having a master and a follower. This is the, the deshi, the, the, the um, senpai kohai thing, which is um, more of a vertical thing in Japanese society. The master and disciple relationship is seen within all the areas of the arts, even the martial arts, we see this sensei kind of concept. Some of you know that word, teacher. And the student is the one who follows and learns from that master, from that teacher. The teacher, the sensei, and the seito, the relationship between the teacher and the learner, is something very fundamental in the Japanese culture. This is not something we have to convince Japanese that it's true. In America, we're more individualistic. We're more individually minded. We think we know what's the best course to go. And the individualism of America is, of course, a wonderful piece of American culture. We love that. But there is something fundamental to the teacher-learner relationship that we see in Asia and particularly in Japan that I think Americans have more of a challenge in understanding how to be in, the, in a right relationship that way. We are all disciples of Jesus Christ. This, the, the passage here in verses 16 and 17 is only talking about the initial 11 that were called to that particular mountain. They went in obedience. And the question we just need to ask ourselves is, as a disciple of Jesus, am I committed to following him in obedience no matter where that will take me and no matter what that will cost. This is the call of the disciple. 
as a follower of Jesus. But secondly, as we look at the, the primary um, body of this call to, um, this, uh, to in the Great Commission is the disciples' call itself. And this is the Japanese word meshi. This is the word call in, in Japanese. In verses 19 through, through 20a, it says, Therefore go and make, make disciples of the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. There are actually four verbs in the Great Commission itself. To go and to make disciples, to go, to baptize, and to teach. The primary verb here is to make disciples. This is the primary verb, and the helping verbs are to go, to make disciples, in making disciples, to baptize, and to teach. So the, the order and the significance of the verbs that are used here give us a focus on what the primary call of every disciple, every follower of Jesus, what that is, and it's to reproduce yourself, to reproduce yourself in seeing disciples made. This is the call of missions, but this is the call on every single believer's life that we see that starts with the 12 or the 11 um, in verses 16 and 17 that we just read. Today's message is entitled, His Last Command is Our First Concern. His is, of course, Jesus Christ. Our is every believer or follower of Jesus himself. The call of the Great Commission in general is a call to the church, to the body of Christ through all generations and until Jesus returns. But it's very specific also to each and every individual who, is, who considers himself a follower of Jesus Christ and have given their life and heart to him. In 2 Corinthians verse, uh, chapter 5, verses 18 through 20, we see this, these verses that Paul writes to the Corinthian church. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sin against them. He has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Can you feel the passion of Paul in these verses? This passion is born out of his love for Jesus and as a follower of Jesus, as a disciple of Jesus, who was actually one who was considered an enemy of the, of the church, of the early church. Unless Paul had Barnabas who came alongside him and advocated for him and said, look, here's a man who met Jesus in a profound way and the rest of the church didn't believe what had happened to Paul. They thought, is this guy reliable? It was because Barnabas advocated for him and said, listen to him, look at what God's done in his life, how God has touched his heart, that Paul then pens these words. And they're really penned to the church of every generation. He has committed to us the message of reconciliation as followers of Jesus, as disciples of his. Each one of us here this morning have a responsibility 
and have been entrusted with this incredible message, the message of reconciliation itself. Concerning the 11 disciples who followed Jesus obediently to that mountain and heard his call, what was their response? In 3 John chapter 7, it says, it was for the sake of the name that they went out. And the name is capital N there. It was for the sake of the name, because of the one who they were following, that they went out from that point forward. And each one of us who are here this morning, when you think of your relationship with Jesus as a follower of him, as a disciple of his, the one question I would ask each one of us to reflect on personally is one that gets very personal. And each one who are sitting here this morning, what would best describe your relationship with Jesus right now as a follower of his? You've come to faith, you have trusted Jesus as your savior, and today as you're sitting here, there are three D words, words that start with the letter D that I'd like to just put before you. Is the word that best describes your walk with Jesus today duty, destination, or discipleship? Duty is the, is the place of joyless service. Okay, now that I'm a believer, I just have to kind of do what needs to be done. I do this in a joyless way because it's a job that needs to be done. But there's no joy in the service that you are offering to the Lord. Is it a duty kind of dynamic in your life? Destination, just waiting for heaven. Okay, we have the promise of heaven. I'm just called as a disciple of Jesus to wait for his return. I'm not planning to do anything as I wait. Or is it discipleship, that joyful service that we offer to the master, to the king, who paid the ultimate price for each one of us through his death on the cross to give our lives to him sacrificially and joyfully. This is what the life of a disciple looks like. Is it joyless service or is it joyful service for the king of kings? That's something that we each have to wrestle with, and where are each one of us this morning in that journey and that calling that God has put upon each one of our lives? The second, secondary verbs that are, here, that are found here are to do the work of a discipler, to baptize, to teach. Boy, evangelism and doing all the things that have to do with spiritual growth and maturity that flow out of that work of the disciple the question that we all have to just wrestle with is, how is my walk with Jesus today? That's the primary thing. As we reflect on that and we see that his call is to share the gospel, to be ambassadors for him, to be um, bringing this message of reconciliation to our neighbors around us. In our case, it's to the ends of the earth, to, to the people of Japan. We have such a wonderful privilege of serving the King of Kings. And is it our joy and our joyful service before him that defines our commitment as a disciple to be discipling? The last word that we're going to look at this morning is the, the Japanese word kagi. It's the key. We've looked at the journey, how the, the 11 disciples obediently followed Jesus to that mountain. We looked at the calling on each one of them 
to go and make disciples of the nations. And when you think of the call to missions or the call to be a disciple in this world that doesn't follow Jesus, doesn't recognize him, doesn't give him the honor that he deserves, what's going to be, make the difference? How, how is the disciple enabled to carry out his calling on the journey that each one of us are on? This is what we see in the two verses that really are bookends to the Great Commission itself, and I'll just read those verses again from verses 18 and following. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, therefore go and make disciples of the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always, even to the end of the age. What's the key to carrying out the disciples' calling in this world? Key number one is found in verse 18. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Now this word authority is the key word in this particular verse 18. We have two Greek words that this could be either or. Dunamis is the word for strength or raw power. We get the English word dynamite from the word dunamis, but that is not the word that's used here. The word that's used here in the Greek is exosia, which is legal authority, regal right to rule, the crown. The one who's speaking here is the one who wears the crown. This is the king of kings. And when he says all authority has been given to me on, in heaven and on earth, we recognize the fact that Jesus, as we follow him, is the one who holds all authority. When you think of it, in heaven and on earth, what, how, did the, how did Jesus teach his disciples to pray? In Matthew chapter 6, Jesus says, then, this then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This is the prayer that Jesus taught his disciples to pray. I refer to this more as the Lord, not as the Lord's prayer, but as the disciples' prayer. And Jesus said, pray according that God's will in heaven will be accomplished on earth. How is it accomplished in heaven? Perfectly without a hiccup, without any obstruction or any kind of obstacle in its way. We look around us and we think of the people who are needing to know the Lord and who are struggling with different things through life, and how do I come alongside them to, be, to care for them and to show the, the love of Christ to them? Jesus says, pray according to the disciples' prayer, our Father in heaven, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus' perfect will is unfolding in an imperfect world. And this is how he told us to pray. And why can we trust him? Because all authority is in his hands. That's on the front end of the Great Commission. What about the back end? Verse 20 says, And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Jesus' power and his presence are promised in the call to make disciples of the nations. 
The question that we have to wrestle through then is, as a disciple of Jesus Christ, am I daily living in dependence on Jesus' power and his presence to the things that he has called me to do, to live out my life as a follower of his? They're promised. They're given to us freely. Are we accessing those things every day? As we wrap up our time this morning around the word and just looking at the theme of our message this morning, the Great Commission is his last command, which is our first concern. Is that your first concern as you're here this morning? When you think of the journey side of this in Matthew chapter 4, verses 18 and 19, it says there, as Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. We see Jesus' call was very simple. Just come follow me. That's the call of every disciple through every generation. The journey of Peter, Peter and Andrew was profoundly changed at this point in their lives by hearing Jesus' call and simply coming and following him. Secondly, the call of the, of the disciple. This is my life verse found in 1 Thessalonians 5.24 that says, The one who calls you is faithful and he will do it. The context of these verses is, is that call to sanctification, which is really the profound growing in our faith, in trust in Jesus. But this is a verse that applies across every challenge that's in our life. The one who calls you is faithful. We see in Revelation chapter 19, verse 11, what does it say there? that the call, the call to follow Jesus is the call of him who is faithful and true. We can take him at his word and we can count on him every step of the way. And we've seen this through 30 years of ministry in Japan. Faithful is he who calls you. Jesus called us to ministering in Japan through many challenges and seasons of struggle. But we've seen one thing consistent through everything. According to these ver this verse here, faithful is he who calls you and he will do it. Whatever he's called you individually to do as he has with us, we can count on him every step of the way because his power and his presence come with that call. And lastly, as we look at the final word here, what is the key to all of these, to this call? We see in Acts chapter 1 verse 8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. We see here is the power that God supplies. He's promised that in these verses. But the call is something that is not geographical. It's something that starts at home and extends to the ends of the earth. We happen to be called to be sharing our faith in Japan. You are called locally here. This is your Jerusalem right here in Lake Grove. This is your Jerusalem to be faithful to the call that God has on your heart as a disciple of his. 
And as we wrap up this morning, the final slide is just a quote that I found. And this is the call of the disciple of Jesus Christ through every generation. It's a quote when there was a young missionary that was going to China. And when this young missionary candidate was headed to China, asked a veteran missionary, what was the key to missionary service? This is what he was told. Keep your eyes on Jesus and tell them what you see. Keep your eyes on Jesus and tell them what you see. You see that relational part of the call that God has on each one of our lives. We're on a journey. We have a calling along that journey to be faithful to him. And the outcome is in his hands. He's promised the power and his presence that goes along with us. All he says, and this was a profound quote that I found, that for every generation and every missionary or each one of us this morning, what's the, what's the key to all of this? Keep your eyes on Jesus and simply tell them what you see. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word, your word that speaks truth to our hearts. We thank you for your call to each one of us to be disciples of Jesus who gave his life, gave his all for us, that we might have new life in him. We have a message that's been entrusted to us. That's the message of reconciliation. Lord, that applies to each one of us here in Lake Grove and to those of us who have called beyond to take that faithfully to the ends of the earth, knowing that faithful is he who calls you and he will do it. Lord, we thank you for these promises. Lord, I pray for each one this morning as we're all reflecting on what does that mean for my life today, that that call back to discipleship to follow you faithfully and to trust you and entrust those things into your hands, knowing that they're the only place we can leave them with confidence. We thank you for this encouragement from your word this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.